Hello and welcome to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast show with you weekly, where I speak with the most inspirational and aspirational thought leaders of today and unearth their unique stories of diversity and inclusion to help inspire, educate and motivate others to make the world a better place. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the incredible Lena Denhalander. Lena is the General Manager and Vice President for Coca-Cola European Partners, based in the UK. Lena has had over two decades worth of experience within leadership roles and C-suite roles, working within the retail and FMCG arena. He's worked as CEO for the likes of Young Seafood, Findus and Procter and & Gamble. And he brings his many, many years of experience now to this very, very well-known brand, Coca-Cola European Partners. Today, we're going to be talking about a number of different subjects, including collaborative leadership, diversity and inclusion, really scratching below the surface and finding out a little bit more about Leonard, his background, his journey through to becoming uh, the general manager and vice president for Coca-Cola European Partners, and also discussing with him a couple of the key points around leadership, motivational factors, and some of the secrets they have internally within Coca-Cola European Partners about employee engagement, diversity and inclusion, and really embracing your authentic self. So welcome to the show, Leonard. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being with us. And I'm really, really keen to learn a little bit more about you and to scratch below the surface to find out about you and some of the brilliant projects you're doing within the business at the moment. Okay, fantastic. So tell me, just so that we can kind of update our listeners, obviously I'm very lucky because I've known you for some time. I've seen you speak on the stage recently at the Diversity and Inclusion piece at Grocery Aid. But for our listeners who are at home, tell us a little bit about the current projects that you're on with at the moment and some of the key experiences that you've had within Coca-Cola European Partners at right, present. Right. Well, first of all, let me introduce myself. As you can tell by my name, which for many people is impossible to pronounce, um, and I won't, I won't try to do it in the way my parents call me. Uh, but as you can tell by my name, I'm Dutch. Um, I started uh, in the Netherlands, working in the Netherlands. We can talk, we'll talk about it. I um, have now moved to the UK. have been here for about, coming up to 10 years now. And I guess one of the key things that I believe we're trying to do, apart from trying to make sure that more people buy our drinks, because ultimately mm-hmm. that's what we try to do and, and, and make sure that they're most appealing and, and widely available. I think we tend to focus a lot on how we work in the company. And mm-hmm. therefore, we put a lot of focus on what you would call diversity and inclusion, but actually we have called it inclusion and diversity. Uh, we've learned throughout the years that actually we have to put the I before the D. Um, and many people talk about diversity and inclusion uh, as a strategy. Um, I don't actually believe it is a strategy because a strategy you can agree with or disagree with. Um, I believe it's a philosophy. And the good thing about a philosophy is you can either uh, opt in or opt out. Um, but if you really want to do the right thing, you can't opt out. So everyone has to um, has to kind of uh, stick stick to what we're trying to do. I can tell a bit more about what we have done and journey that we have been on, on inclusion and diversity. That would be fantastic. Good. Um, we started focusing a lot on diversity, um, really important to us. Uh, we had a very good women's network uh, where we discussed loads of issues, opportunities and challenges, especially for senior women in our business uh, and, and what it would take to progress. Um, we actually found out after a year or so that all, 
although there was a great intent and a lot of great activities, a lot of passion, many men involved as well, that it really didn't move the needle. And it was only until we found out that actually it's not just about diversity. It is really about an inclusive culture. And then diversity mm -hmm. becomes part of that. And gender diversity becomes very much part of that. So we actually worked with quite a few people, over 100 people in our business to say, that's great, right? Inclusion, we put the I before the D. That still sounds a bit gimmicky. And, and, and what does it really mean? And then we said, well, okay, there is a business case clearly for inclusion because there's many scientific studies that would tell you that the more inclusive businesses have better results. Uh, but that, again, it doesn't tell you how it feels in a daily operation. Uh, how mm -hmm. does it feel as an employee in our company to, to work? So we try to identify what it, uh, what it would feel like. Um, some people also say, well, Coke is one of the most, and we're in this fantastic Coke office, uh, Coke is one of the most inclusive brands across the world and has been for, for quite some time. If you think about our customers, we most likely have the most diverse customer portfolio. When you think about big supermarkets, small corner shops, airlines, leisure parks, all of that. So you could argue it fits us very well to focus on inclusion and diversity because it very much fits with what we try to do as a company. But again, that doesn't tell you how it feels on a daily basis in, in, mm -hmm. our, in our business. So we spent actually quite a bit of time to identify what does it, how would you, if you articulate it, how would you do that? And, and with the help of a lot of people across locations, uh, across functions, uh, people from sales, from our factories, from finance, all over the, all over the place, different seniority, different uh, kind of um, uh, experience within the, within the company, we then actually turned it into something which started to resonate quite well. We said, what we really mean by inclusion and diversity is three things. Be yourself, be valued, and belong. And that makes it very tangible uh, for our people. That really was the kind of, you could call it a strap line. Mm -hmm. You say, that's nice, you have a strap line. It becomes almost like marketing, but that's not the intent. Everyone can relate to being yourself or actually not being yourself. Uh, everyone can relate to being valued or not being valued. And the same is true for a sense of belonging. Whether that's a sense of belonging to the total company, a sense of belonging to your small team, a sense of belonging to whatever way you want to uh, wanna define it. And what we learned with that is that actually it gave a real sense of purpose to our inclusion and diversity philosophy. Um, first and foremost, we said you can't opt out. This is how we want to uh, operate together. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't difficult to kind of um, convince people about it. And you have to acknowledge that different people are at a different uh, kind of stage in the journey on inclusion and diversity. Mm -hmm. We've gone also as a leadership team through a lot of learning. I learned an awful lot in talking to other people external people on what it really is, inclusion and diversity. And we have to acknowledge that not everyone might be fully bought in at the very beginning what it all is. And people might be in different stages uh, in terms of their understanding uh, and the wide variety of things that are part of inclusion. So we acknowledge that and we try to help each other to say, wherever you come from, it's a philosophy, but we help each other to get to the same stage where it really um, feels um, every day that people have a sense of belonging, uh, feel valued for what they do and can be, them, be themselves. And then we actually had a conversation, how do we make that um, practical? Because they say, well, people then ask, yeah, but how do you measure that? What are the metrics? You need to keep it very simple, is our experience. And I'm not saying that we um, are, are kind of, um, have, done, have done the job, far from it. Um, I think we will not pretend at any point in time that we have solved this issue um, or this challenge, um, but I think we're trying, and we're trying hard with both internal, uh, internally but also with external help. The few learnings that we, that we had from our perspective when it comes to internal, it's very simple to identify 
um, whether you are an inclusive company or not. Mm -hmm. You only have to ask yourself and even your team, what was the last time you felt excluded? And that was a very powerful exercise, um, which powerful. we actually um, did steal with pride from another company, uh, not in our sector, uh, but it was very, <laughs> very, and we should name the company, Accenture. Um, they did a really nice thing, and it's really powerful. We got um, hundreds of people in the room and talked about what was the last time you felt excluded. Um, and it was really um, quite emotional uh, to see that in maybe a meeting that I was chairing mm -hmm. uh, or... Um, an event that I was at that people, mm -hmm. people felt excluded. And that really brings it home. That makes it very tangible and it also makes it very tangible in terms of the actions. Another question that we could ask ourselves every day, did your team today feel a bit more inclusive versus yesterday? And what has been your role as, as a leader? So that's the first thing. Keep it simple, tangible action steps. You don't need to have mm -hmm. big progress, big concepts. Keep it simple. And then also learn from others. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly don't have all the answers. Uh, we will never pretend we have all the answers. Um, we're very intentional uh, in making progress, but there's other companies uh, where we can learn a lot from. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the whole notion of talking to other people, even in the industry, outside of the industry, to just mm -hmm. share experiences on this and how we can make it better. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, we do believe, and I do believe, mm -hmm. that a more inclusive culture mm -hmm. will lead to better business results. Mm -hmm. We've just found that that's not enough of a reason. Uh, you need to feel it. You need to feel that uh, the company is serious about it and what it means for you. And again, we have articulated that in mm -hmm. be, be yourself, be valued and belong. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And this is what I love about spending time with you, Lena, is that you can really feel the passion when you're speaking to you when it comes to diversity and inclusion. You can tell that you really, really care. Mm -hmm. And I think when employees and even other individuals who are external to the business can feel that passion coming through, that is the point where you really feel that, you know, that, that resonating yeah. part. And you can tell that it actually means something yeah. to the leaders and to the people that, that they're impacting. I think, I think that is important. These are the things you have to embrace it as a leadership. You can't, if you're not genuinely passionate about it and not genuinely intentional about making progress, people will see through that and all of the efforts will actually backfire in a big way. Absolutely. Uh, and I think you know, that's also why we started with the leadership team to really immerse ourselves mm -hmm. in what inclusion is. And, mm -hmm. and again, with external help, we talked a lot about all of the aspects of, of inclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously there's diversity is also very broad. Mm -hmm. There's gender diversity, mm -hmm. ethnic diversity. There's loads of loads of things. And we really immersed ourselves mm -hmm. into what it is and mm -hmm. what it isn't. And for most of us, that was a pretty significant learning. Mm -hmm. Most likely that also made us a bit more vulnerable mm -hmm. in terms of uh, our understanding, mm -hmm. um, but also made us more committed and convinced mm -hmm. that it's clearly the right mm -hmm. way forward. Mm -hmm. But again, I want to confirm again, we don't know it all. We don't have all the answers, mm -hmm. but we'll find them. Mm -hmm. But I think that's such a refreshing way to go about leadership. And I hope you don't mind me asking you the next couple of questions. We've talked quite a lot here about inclusive leadership and what that really, really means. And also vulnerability and, you know, perhaps the last time that an individual may have felt excluded. Do you mind if I ask when the last time was that you felt excluded and... You know, how that made you feel, how that maybe impacted the way you then influenced others from that experience. Yeah, I think if you, if you travel uh, with work, there will be occasions that you are moving into a new role in a new company, in a new country, where you are the only foreigner. Right? Mm -hmm. And, and I've, I've clearly felt that a couple of times. Um, it didn't have a significant impact on me as an individual, mm -hmm. but it shows it's sometimes very simple. Right? It's sometimes, uh, if uh, someone told me the other day that I didn't give someone an opportunity to speak up in a meeting. Um, and so that made 
that individual feel that individual excluded. From my perspective, it's just a small example. I've had a number of occasions where I moved into a new country, new company, um, and I was um, there was no one like me, if you if you if you like, uh, and that that felt let's say uncomfortable. Now, that uncomfortable feeling is nowhere representative through really feeling excluded and really being excluded. Mm -hmm. So I clearly don't want to say that I've experienced it mm -hmm. because there's far more serious ways that you can be excluded than the example that I gave you. Mm -hmm. And what did you do when you were perhaps, you know, I use the term loosely, but ultimately in the minority, because we all feel it at different times of our lives, where it is just us that maybe looks or sounds or feels the way that we do. Now, what did you go off and do after you maybe landed in a new company? You thought, oh, there's not any people here maybe who have that many similarities? Did you just get stuck in and go and kind of embrace the new team? You know, what were your reactions to that feeling? Well, ultimately, I think you need to, and again, this is this, 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 this example, you need to also turn it on its head because people are also looking at me and say, who is this funny man from Holland with this funny accent? <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that. So people might not know exactly where I was coming from, what was important mm -hmm. to me, what I came to do, what I came not to do. Um, so I think it is understanding that it works both ways. It takes two to tango, as they say. I don't do tango, but I, like to, I still like the phrase. Um, and I think that's really important. So my kind of reaction typically is that let's try and try to connect with people and try to understand where they are coming from. Mm -hmm. uh, and in most of the occasions, I'm talking in the business, in the business context, um, if you open up, um, people open up too. Uh, and there's typically many more similarities than mm -hmm. there's differences. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes effort. It takes effort to build um, also a bit of trust. Uh, um, of because course. if you're new some, somewhere, you're new to the company, so the company looks at you, and you are new in the company, so you look at the company. Mm -hmm. and, and it takes a bit of time for people to understand how you are, uh, kind of how you work, what your style is, are you consistent in your style. And if that's all the case, then most likely you build a bit of trust. And with that trust, people open up big time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if you don't mind me saying, you're very, you know, of course, in a very senior position, you've got to be very comfortable and confident in your own skin. And like you say, you know, you have to be authentic because people will see through it otherwise. What about the young Leonard who was kind of climbing up the ranks within his career? Have you always been this way inclined or has there been quite a steep learning journey as you have gone from role to role and to business to business, pre-culminating where you are right now? No, I think I've, the, um, yeah, little Leonard, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I've always predetermined in, in things that I wanted to do. And maybe not as an early age, because I clearly uh, wanted to be good at football, but I was lousy at football. Um, but I really, I think from the moment I, I went to school and I went to university, I was always predetermined to do things right. I always took initiatives to get involved in things, also outside study, um, and to kind of, connect with different people, learn different things, uh, traveled a bit while I was studying, studied abroad for some time, uh, really to kind of explore. So I think I've always been uh, able to explore and also had the opportunities, so given by my parents primarily, uh, to, to do that exploration. And I think that's still, that's still very much the case. I'm mm -hmm. still, still pretty curious on what's out there in, in, in the world. Fantastic. And what about your mother and father? You know, is the family a big influence? Because obviously you've travelled around and lived in numerous different countries throughout Europe, now in the UK. Was that a big advantage? And were your family a big impact on, on your career, would you say? Well, if you, if you take my family, obviously, it starts with your parents. I grew up uh, in, in Holland, close to Rotterdam in the Netherlands, um, mm -hmm. had a very, very nice childhood. 
um, and uh, very supportive, very supportive parents. Uh, my father uh, was involved in a market research company, um, and um, when I was doing my kind of work over holiday, um, I learned a lot about what he was doing. And actually, they were doing a lot of consumer research in fast-moving consumer goods. And maybe I didn't appreciate it at the time, but it has influenced me in a big way on actually fast-moving consumer goods. And that's a business I got in, um, I'm still in, and most likely I never will get out because I don't, I don't want to. So there is influences clearly as a family. When we started to travel, I think the biggest influence um, is kind of me and my wife. We were a unit um, when we moved abroad um, collectively. I moved, uh, moved out a bit earlier, uh, but 15 years ago, um, our children were very small. Our eldest, uh, our oldest boy was, was pretty small. So you really become a unit on your own. You travel as a unit of five. We're kind of a wife and three children. I think what I've learned, you kind of, you need to make it work within that unit because the social structure that you might have in what people tend to call home country, although we call home where we are, um, that, that, that structure is not there. And you have to build it up multiple times when you move from one country to another. Um, so I think that unit becomes very important. And if you're not kind of um, on the same page within that unit, or five in our case, then it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Very good. And what about the key influences throughout your life? Because, of course, you have three children, you have a fantastic wife, you know, obviously, uh, you know, in a, in a very positively influential role. There must have been a number of inspirations that you've had throughout your career or leaders that you perhaps admired or thought, oh, you know, I'd, you know, young Leonard, I'd like to be like he or she one day. Could you tell us a little yeah, bit more and, and about... I never really had someone that I aspired to. Uh, I really? think if I reflect on that, I think there's different people in different phases that were kind of inspirational. So I would not call that as one person that say, OK, I want to be like him or like her um, or want to do what that individual does. Um, I think different, in different phases, there's different people that inspire you. And it could be a colleague, that could be, uh, that could be a manager, it could be, uh, could be various, various people, but it could also be events or experiences that you go through. So I take inspiration from many people and I take inspiration from many mm-hmm. events. So I don't have this one, one thing. Clearly, there's people that have said multiple things. I'm a big fan of quotes. Uh, I can show you in my phone. I carry like 150 quotes with me uh, on things about leadership. So I think there are some pretty smart people that have some pretty smart thing mm-hmm. that you can use on a, on, a, on a daily basis. Oh, we are answering my future questions here. But whilst we're on the subject of quotes, have you got a couple that you could perhaps share with our audience that might be inspirational yeah, for us to take away from today? Oh, there it is. I will, I will share with you the list of, of over 100, uh, 100 <laughs> quotes. But, uh, but I think one of the quotes, the quotes the, uh, that, I, that I like a lot, actually, that came to us from, uh, from came to me uh, through a colleague of mine who was working in Birmingham uh, as a field sales rep. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she, she, in her own way, is very inspirational and also very much focused on, on the quote. She, she gave this one to me, which is, uh, people that look at whether the glass is half empty mm-hmm. or half full, miss the point because the glass is refillable and i think that's a very uh, that 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 really embodies pretty much on how i would like to maybe live my life or also work uh, it's kind of a sense of positivity there will be empty glass days there will be full glass days it's never all rosy altogether but there's always a notion that you can refill what's empty uh, and that positivity, I think, is pretty powerful. Absolutely. And very relevant as well, given that you work for a drinks company. Absolutely. I'm going <laughs> to empty this one soon, yeah. So there's a whole host for the questions that I have for you, and I am conscious you're a busy man, so I mustn't keep you too long. But what I'd really like to do is 
Firstly, I'd really like to kind of ask you a little bit more about connected leadership, because I know you're a massive, massive advocate yep. of that. And then I'd like to, if it's okay with you, launch into a bit of a lightning round and ask you a couple of questions before we summarise and kind of finish up for the session. Okay, sure. So on the connected leadership subject, I know that you are a real kind of advocate of collaborative leadership and of really, you know, especially with a lot of the brands that, that you look after as the business Coca-Cola European partners, that the brands are really finding their authentic niches, their selves, being able to collaborate with lots of other types of businesses, yeah. you know, very open to that way of working. So it'd be great to find out a little bit more about that and to yes. share with some of our listeners so they yeah. might be able to learn and perhaps take something back to their own organizations. Sure. Well, the, the, for me, the notion that many people talk about uh, courageous leadership and transformative leadership, for me, those are all big terms, but it's very difficult for me to articulate what it means. And I really believe in this sense of connected leadership because I think you need to connect at all levels. And connection mm -hmm. can be very much okay, stay grounded in what you do, right? connected with reality, mm -hmm. uh, connected with opportunities as well. It's very much also internally connected. Uh, I think it's really important to stay connected with what's happening in the organization um, at all levels in all locations. Um, but there's also the external connection, uh, clearly with our customers uh, and any other stakeholders. And I believe that's very important simply because some of the things that we're dealing with are more complicated um, and, and we should not pretend for one minute that I as an individual or us as a company can solve them. Um, and I think there's bigger societal debates that we are also involved in. If you think about packaging and think about plastics, those kind of debates are so big that we really want to take a leadership role. But we can only do that if we connect with other people. Uh, and I do believe that connection externally, that will make, um, make, make the difference because it takes more collaboration in the industry, uh, across the industry to make real progress on a number of areas. So therefore, I believe a lot in the connection. And I think through those connections internally and externally, you also can identify what could be the next opportunity for us mm -hmm. as a business. Because mm -hmm. if you talk to people without people knowing, they give you ideas all the time. So I think that connection and talking to people gives you ideas all the time. Importantly also, it gives you a sense of what's not working. Um, and that connection is equally important, not just about always be positive and thinking about where the growth is going to come from. We are focused on that a lot, but also connected means for me that we can talk about things that don't work. And the earlier that we get things to the surface, mm -hmm that don't work, uh, the, bet the better it is, mm -hmm. because we can then put our minds around it and say, why isn't it working and what can we do to course correct? Absolutely. It's that honesty that really breeds a far better working team. Should do, should do. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not easy. Right? Mm -hmm. it, it's always easy to say, okay, we want to be transparent, we want to create an environment where people can say what they, what they have on their mind. And clearly, I say that most likely uh, very often. But also, we need to be honest with ourselves. Do we always create an environment where people feel safe to say what's on their mind. And I think that continues to be a very important area. I think to, to be better connected uh, with your teams and with people, you create most likely an environment where people can say what's on their mind. That creates more transparency. And if there's transparency, trust will come. Mm -hmm. And how do you make people internally feel safe? Because clearly I know that you've managed it and um, you know, people here are, are thriving. But it is, it's, and it's this common problem that I hear is that companies find it difficult to really foster that genuinely safe space for employees to really speak up and be heard. Because I think the, you know, the, 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 the con well, I suppose the connotations are that people think the second they put their head above the parapet, they are yeah. going to get shot at. Yeah. How do we foster this safe working space? It's just showing, not just showing it and talking about it, but in 
all actions consistently show that it's okay to speak up. And it's really important to also speak up about the things that don't work. Um, that environment doesn't always exist. An environment sounds like a big thing, but in, think about the last meeting that we were all in. Was it a safe meeting for people to say, say what, what was on their mind or, or not? Or not? Uh, and I think we have to constantly challenge ourselves uh, whether, that, whether that's the case, whether we've really gone around the table, or whether we've really talked about, okay, that's great, this, this is working, this is not working, why? Uh, and so we have, a, we have a, a kind of a operating principle as a management team where we say we challenge the professional, not the individual. Right? So we challenge each other as much as we possibly can, but um, I would challenge you as a professional, not as a person or as an individual. And that notion is important, but it's only important when people actually see that happening all the time, anytime. If I go against that whole simple principle, kind of myself, then the whole trust and what we try to achieve is, is gone. And, and most likely I make mistakes every day on that. Um, and that's fine. I think that that's, that's human, but there's a clear intent to do it. The other things which we're also learning is that that's why connected leadership is so important. It's very, uh, if you are working in a group and you have a good sense on what we are doing and why we're doing it, um, we should not kind of forget that there might be people that are working in one of our factories doing very important work that might not be connected by why we are doing things. And one of the key learnings that is we talk a lot about what we are doing, but not all the time about why we're doing. So if it's clear why we're doing things, then it's also easier to say, okay, I get that or I don't get it, and therefore I can challenge it or I can agree with it. So the notion of why are we doing things uh, is really important in making the connection, we believe, across, across our business. I think that makes absolute sense. It reminds me of the Simon Sinek book, actually, Ask Why. I love that book. And it's, it's so prevalent, I think, in today's yeah. society because, you know, especially millennials and zillennials and, like you say, those who may be not connected directly, say, with leadership, that yeah. they do understand the purpose and the rationale right. as to why they are doing yeah. what they're doing. Well, that's the, the asking why, I think that's very compelling. The other day I came across an article that was all about ask for help. And ask for help is not just for uh, dependent on a level. It is for all of us uh, because... Some people say, and I don't believe in that concept, um, don't give me your problems, give me your solutions. I think that's really old world, right? Um, obviously, you need to think through what the issue is that you're trying to solve and what are the options. But sometimes issues are so complicated that you better just make people part of the issue and say, you know what, we just need to have a conversation about this. Um, and they're reaching out and asking for help, not thinking you can all solve it yourself or that you're expected to all solve it yourself, I think is really important. And I think... As leaders, we also need to do that a bit more and say, okay, you know what, I'm actually not sure about this. Let's ask for some help. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's internal help or external help. We've just launched something which I kind of find fascinating. We call it a shadow board, uh, is fundamentally what it is. So a number of people in our organization, very talented people across the whole of the organization, different functions, different seniority in the business. Every other month, there's a topic that's on our mind here with the management team. And then we ask them, okay, can you go away and really challenge us on the topic? Um, mm. And that gives us, that's a real sounding board, if you like, a shadow board, sounding board. Um, but it's really great because there's people with very different experiences in different parts of the business with a different level of seniority come then to see us and say, well, for us, this is important to do as an organization. Tell us what you think is working and what's not. And that's extremely rich help. Uh, so we asked for help. And typically, if you ask for help, you get it. That's excellent. And I bet that's so powerful when it comes to really increasing employee engagement as well, because you're asking not just the one level of management leadership, but you're saying, actually, hey, guys, would you come and share from all different levels and okay. come to a solution together? Yeah. It Very is powerful, good. but only when you do something with the output. 
And I think it's important. If you really use it as just a kind of an engagement driver and people come in and have a conversation about what they think should change, but then there's not listened to, happens, nothing happens, yes. and people say, fine, mm-hmm. uh, where am I going to waste my time again on this? So you need to take it very seriously. So it's a, it's a significant um, effort, I think, for, my, for a management team as well as for the people that are part of that shadow or sound. So I just want to ask a couple of quick questions now in our lightning round. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each one. For each. For each one, for each one. So what kind of advice might you have given to your younger self, the little Lennart? That's interesting. We talked before about exploring. Mm -hmm. I think I would say, okay, explore as much as you can. Um, and and, and uh, it's a good question. What would I have told myself? I, I guess it's that, that notion of explore. Explore opportunities, explore possibilities. But the, the, one, the one thing, I, um, I was at a school a couple of weeks ago where I talked to students between 15 and 17 years old and talk a bit about career and I say, okay, well, what, what are kind of your learnings? And I don't really want to talk about me and, uh, because I think that's, that's too, too grand. But there's kind of four things that over time I keep in a notebook, kind of, and I call them the four C's. Uh, and if you allow me, I just will talk about it. Hopefully, I can remember all the four C's. Otherwise, okay, it would be quite embarrassing. Okay, you have two lots of 30 seconds then. Uh, <laughs> and um, so the, 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 fir- the first one is all about curiosity. You hear that a lot. Like, ask the why. You, yeah. you mentioned it. It's really, really important. It's the biggest question at any level, at any time, anywhere. Why are things happening? Because it allows you also to do the second thing. Is that the second C, I call it, the, the challenge the status quo and challenge stereotypes. Um, and, and never be afraid to, to do that. And then the third thing is all about control your own destiny. Ultimately, you need to look after yourself. You need an environment and a supportive environment, but ultimately you look out for yourself and whether it's about controlling your personal life, where you can, and obviously sometimes things happen to you, uh, good things and bad things uh, happen to you, but where you can control your own destiny. And the last thing is, I think, important as well. It's good to be confident as long as you're humble. So confident yet yet humble. And, And I've actually learned over time that those are kind of, key things that I try to always come back to those four things um, as, as ways to take me to the next level. I think you've wiped out a couple of my other lightning round questions now, unfortunately. So I'm going to think of another couple to ask you because you've answered a few of them already. Would there be anything that you would change at all in your career to date? I'm just enjoying it. Uh, and as people say, if you enjoy what you do, uh, it, it becomes more enjoyable. Uh, and, and, and that's what I do. Um, I think I'm working in a great company. Uh, with great opportunities uh, for, for, for many people, a very positive company, trying mm-hmm. to be part uh, of bigger societal uh, problems mm-hmm. and trying to be part of the solution there. So I think that's a, that's a great place to be. And, you know, what happens in a few years' time, we'll see. Okay. And who was the best boss that you've ever had and also the worst boss that you've ever had? Um, I, I, I think I've been pretty... pretty um, well, pretty, pretty happy, uh, I guess, with, with, with the different bosses. I'm not going to call any boss because they will only... Call in afterwards. That will only uh, kind of most likely... Uh, you don't need to say to, their names. Come, come, to, come to get me. But um, no, I, th- I think the, uh, there, there's, there's clearly bosses that I've, that I've had that helped me a lot in, in kind of also shaping my own, my own career. But I think it's more like people that have actually been be more mentoring mentoring me and helping me to kind of identify what could be next especially when i moved companies um and when i moved countries and sometimes it's great to talk to people that have the experience that have done that um and and that that helps you helps you a lot okay excellent and final question i promise before i summarize for today because you've been brilliant for anyone who's listening 
in on the podcast or, or tuning in via the YouTube channel and who would love to be where, where you are today, would there be any advice or pearls of wisdom that you could impart on them? If you can find, and it's not easy, you find uh, people say, okay, go follow your passion. I think to some extent that's true. But I, I think the, it starts with knowing yourself, mm -hmm. being able to be yourself, be true to yourself. Uh, and I think that that's important. It, it really starts with you um, and be your own person. Um, and whilst trying to be your own person, which is not always easy, also try to identify what you really enjoy. And if you can bring together what you enjoy and what you're kind of and what you're good at, then most likely you find a kind of something magic. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank having you. a chat with me today, Leonard. I really appreciate it. I'm just going to summarise quickly for our listeners uh, for today's show. So uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed today's session with uh, the lovely Leonard. Just to summarise a couple of key points today, and I certainly learned a lot from today's session. I, I like the piece around being yourself, really feeling valued, really trying to, to, to get that feeling of belonging. Don't be scared to embrace your authentic self and to really keep pushing out there and exploring. If you are at the early stages of your career, like Leonard said, you know, do explore, do push the boundaries. Don't be afraid to say yes to opportunities that come your way. And if you are further on in your career, really do try and listen to employees. You know, there's some great key tips and some learning pieces that came from today, not least the three C's, the curiosity, the challenging the status quo, the control, and also the confidence piece as well. So my name is Leila McKenzie. You've been listening to Diverse and Inclusive Leaders, the podcast, with you every week. And I've been with Leonard Denhlander today from Coca-Cola European Partners. If you'd like to find out any further information at all, they'll be in the show notes at the end of today's show. Or you can tune in online via our new YouTube channel. Thanks so much, Leonard. Thank you for coming in.